Hi, and welcome back to another recording of the Encouraging Word podcast. My name is Stephen Young, and I am the youth pastor here, or youth director, whatever you want to call me. Um, and I'm with Paul. And what's your title here at the church? Well, it's whatever you want to call me. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, whatever you uh, want to call I'm me. I'm the associate pastor here, and I'm blessed to be so. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, so really excited about this one. We're wrapping up our series about... Um, the Heart That Grew Three Sizes, a book by Matt Raw, um, and it's been a study that the whole church has been doing. I think it also has been a sermon series, and I've been teaching the youth this, and the kids are learning. It's just been an all-church-wide family uh, affair, so um, <clears throat> it's been great, and so we're going to wrap up chapter three and chapter four. Before we get to that, um, we're going to start with our tradition now of doing a uh, fit segment something fun interesting and thought-provoking so paul do you want to s- start us off yeah I, I can start us off uh i feel like i'm i'm reaching more and more trying to come up with these things so my life <laughs> your life so boring yeah. must not be <laughs> fun interesting or thought-provoking in any way but uh i thought maybe i'd, I'd bring people into um the uh into the the background of of my life and trying to uh defy the aging process and stay a little bit more fit actually see what i did there yeah so um i've never been somebody who exercises as much as i should or even all that much and very streaky when i do uh you do streak so. when you exercise <laughs> <laughs> yes <Yeah, laughs> so streak <laughs> it's a streaky streaky thing yeah yeah. yes yes thanks for clarifying because we definitely don't need those rumors (laughs) going around people wonder why everybody's Uh, moving out of rocky river and yep i know why uh (laughs) so we we live near the middle school and there's a track in the uh property behind the middle school so i often i'll i I guess I, i call it running it's more like a light jog around the track just to try and stay moving for uh, about a mile and a half or so is about all I can muster. And then uh, last year I was really good. I, I kept going through the winter months and, um, you know, even when there was <clears throat> ice and everything, I was dodging like ice patches and it was probably really dumb, but I was proud of myself. This year I decided I can't bring myself to go out there in 10 degrees um, and, and push through it. So I guess I'm getting older, but I, I was in the market for a treadmill. I've never owned a treadmill. So I got on Craigslist and was trying to find something in my price range. And there's not a whole lot, uh, but I was out on the east side, picked up this treadmill. The thing is like 900 pounds. I'm telling you, I somehow fit it in the back of my van, uh, brought it to the house. And then I realized there's nowhere with as heavy as it is that I could put it my basement the ceiling's too short so i'd be like slamming my head against the ceiling as i run and i can't get it up the stairs i have no room for it on the first floor so i'm i'm gonna be running in my garage i think for a while (laughs) and uh, according to to google and all its wisdom you shouldn't keep a treadmill in the garage but you know since it was a used craigslist purchased uh you know if it if it doesn't survive very long then i guess uh so be it so that's uh you know that's you gotta you gotta figure out how to make these things work as you get older to stay fit you know 
whatever sacrifices you're gonna make so that's that's my current plan if anybody has any wisdom for me of what what you've done <laughs> that's been smarter has worked for you uh give me a holler yeah i think i've looked up i've looked up treadmills before um and they have like these small kind of not quite portable but they're really small type yeah. treadmills maybe you might be too big for them, but um i'll send you a link and and uh try to help you out there and treadmill in the garage man that's that's interesting i mean as long as are you going to insulate the garage and kind of turn it into a gym is that, is that uh, the dream sure if the <laughs> <laughs> if the church trustees right, want to fund that process right. uh, no i mean right. i you know i'm used to running in the cold yeah. you know, like and and the cold doesn't bother me i just want to be dodging ice patches and right. i don't want like 30 mile an hour winds blowing in my face right. i think the garage is going to be mighty comfortable yeah. compared to what i'm what i'm compared used to, used to. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll get a report together and kind of get to the trustees and see if they can uh, get you a gym. Yeah, you right. know your sermons would improve with you with it having a gym. You yes. Know? So like, yeah, we should we should talk them into that. All uh, you got to do is somehow justify that it's it's good for the church. It's, it's, <laughs> and yes, exactly. we'll have plenty of support. Exactly. All right. Um, my fit segment is um, so I I play video games. For those who don't know, I I don't know maybe two hours a day usually when the family is all asleep. <clears throat> but it's a game I've been playing that also Paul also plays. So um, he, he and his daughter and her friend, and um, well, I've kind of played it before, but they've recommended it, and they've been playing a game called Stardew Valley. And uh, I've been playing on the Nintendo system. It's called Switch, for those who don't know what it is. <laughs> Um, but Stardew Valley, it's kind of the best way I can describe it because my wife asked what game it was. Yes, I was playing it so much she wanted to know what I was doing. Um, it's the best way to describe it. It's kind of like a Farmville. Do you would you think you describe it that way? I get my wife was hooked on Farmville for a while. I never played it, but yeah. from what I saw, yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a Farmville, but it's probably more involved and there's not all the micro transactions of paying money to <laughs> <laughs> so you could do everything without paying extra money just pay for the game um but it's just a fun game of you have a uh, i think the story is the typical story you're in the city and you don't like the city anymore and you want to move out to your grandpa's i think cottage and run his farm and it's in this small little quaint village and you it's a like an 8-bit game if that makes sense to anyone it's it's not this high graphics or anything it's kind of like graphics that call back more to the original I don't know, Nintendo yeah, games, like I Nintendo guess. Nintendo era, yeah. yeah. Original Nintendo. Um, but there's just so much to do. There's farming. There's there's your animals. There's um, mining. There's fishing. There's and there's all the townspeople. Um, you build a relationship with them, and then you can get married and have kids, and so you can have this whole life <laughs> <laughs> inside this little little video game. Um, but it is just like how Farmville was back in the day. It can be super addicting because you're always just – there's just one more thing to do. You're always looking to the next day. You're always um, harvesting. There's always just so many multiple things to do in the game. And, and it's fun. The music's good. The sound's great. Um, it's a memorable experience. So, um, yeah, I've been enjoying that a lot. And uh, so that's it's been a lot of fun. And, and I'm also looking forward to – for like I said, I play video games, so I kind of scour and look out forecasts to see what's coming out. And next year should be a fun year for video games. So um, I don't think we have many video game listeners, 
but I might, <laughs> but <that laughs> my, might fits, change. my fit segment might be another video game in a couple months. So, yeah. um, yeah, but it's been a, it's been a really fun experience. So. And what Steven shared with me, uh, off air is that his specialty in Stardew Valley is mayonnaise. He's going to become <laughs> the, uh, the worldwide leader in mayonnaise <laughs> sales because it's the most yeah. lucrative and, uh, you know, most efficient thing to make and, and sell. Right. So it's, uh, yeah, in the game, mayonnaise, you make a lot of money. So Steven the mayonnaise. We're kid. trying to build industry here. What's, what's the big mayonnaise? Cool Whip? Who makes Cool Whip? Cool Whip and, uh, oh. I'm trying to think of it. It's not Cool Whip. It's uh, Miracle Whip. Miracle Whip. <laughs> cool yeah, Whip yeah. is the yeah. stuff you put on pumpkin right. pie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little different. Yeah, Cool Whip. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna compete with them on a large <laughs> scale. So that's my... Good luck with that. That's what I'm going to do. Um, so let's continue with our, uh, the series, The Heart That Grew Three Sizes. And um, as I said before, we, we're doing Chapter 3 and Chapter 4. And uh, so we're going to be asking questions uh, to each other and just kind of expounding on that, um, on these questions. So I'm going to start off with the first question for Paul, and we'll both answer these questions, and we have four of them. Um, so this question is um, based off um, page 74 of the book. And the question is, just like Rawl's daughter, um, excuses away her messy room when he confronts her about it how do we excuse or selective how do we ex how do our excuses and our selective blindness prevent us from receiving and being changed by the true message of christmas yeah well uh that's a pretty deep one and and honestly uh this is a, a question that i could you know, preach like 10 sermon series on. It's it's <laughs> just, uh, this is right in my wheelhouse. Actually, um, one of my, if you ever do a spiritual gift surveys, uh, one of the gifts that always pops up at, uh, you know, in my top two or three is, is prophecy. And I always, I used to feel embarrassed telling people that because I thought uh, that they would think that I was telling them that I was like a fortune teller or I was somehow like this magical guru guy, <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> that knew all this stuff, but really prophecy is just helping people discern um, what like lifestyle choices and, and thought patterns and such uh, that they, they have in this world will, will lead to like what, uh, you know, trying to, to help uh, see and, and point out and, and transform our lives um, so that uh, we can expect a, a brighter future and a healthier relationship with God. So when, uh, you know, when I'm preaching, I'm often drawn to texts and messages that help us see how uh, we can we can avoid the trappings of this world and, and get in a healthier place. And as I look at, at Christmas and this uh, concept from Matt Roll, it's it really uh, sinks in big for me. His story was about this time when he went in and his he didn't say how old, but his daughter, I picture her being like five, you know, so, playing her room and she's dumped everything all over the floor uh just a complete disaster like a bomb went off and he he's all alarmed and and uh gives her this you know irate look and she starts pleading with him daddy i was i was just trying to find something beautiful and try to explain it away and 
you know, for a five-year-old, it's it's an innocent response, and uh, truly, she meant nothing by it. She was really just fully engaged in whatever she was doing in her room that led to uh, the disaster zone status that it was currently in. But um, I think that's a good metaphor for our lives. You know, we get so fully engaged in the other things of this world and the expectations and and the pressure that we feel from other people and, and that we put on ourselves to, uh, I guess you could say, keep up with the Joneses, not just material uh, stuff, but, you know, the things that we're involved in. What are we watching? What are we doing? Um, you know, are we playing two hours of video games a day like other people <laughs> are, you know, <laughs> trying to, but, um, but I, I just feel like on Christmas, it hit me not too long ago, uh, probably processing this this book, that you know, God's uh, laying out of the Christmas story is is, is fully uh, designed to meet us in the midst of that like worldly coma that we find ourselves in, our our blindness, our ignorance, and our selective hearing, and all of that stuff, all the things we get caught up in this world uh, doing. You know, God <laughs> couldn't couldn't have uh, more beautifully tried to catch our attention. Like the the entire story is just so out there, so contrary to what we would have expected, and so God, it's it's so His character is everything that is um, caught up in the story is is telling us more about Him and His nature and His plan for us. But it's so contrary to what we would expect, and so bizarre. Um, you know, based on our worldly expectations that we absolutely have to look up and be like, okay, God, you got my full attention. And I think that Christmas just screams for us to, to push aside all the other worldly things and actually give God that full attention that he deserves. Um, yet, of course, what we do with Christmas is end up instead going the opposite extreme and saying, oh, here's another opportunity for me to <laughs> get caught up in worldliness and such. Um, so I, I absolutely think... Um, that the the worldliness that we are caught up in prevent us from truly being transformed by Christmas, and I really believe that Christmas is our best opportunity um, as far as, uh, you know, God's message for us and what he's trying to say to us, for us to be transformed, for us to start new. A lot of people look, you know, a couple of days after that at New Year's, oh, we have, you know, we have this new... Uh, new calendar we're flipping the page you know i can become a new person but really christmas is what screams that more than more than new year's uh, because of the the message you know we have jesus we have god incarnate uh, we have grace we have the path to the cross laid out we have um, the opportunity for new life being reminded that we can be in relationship with him now because he has come to us because we couldn't get to him you know, so many opportunities to be transformed to start anew at Christmas, um, but we get caught up in, in the, the worldliness. So I, I think all it takes is a little bit of effort to allow God to creep in and, and uh, speak to us in, in our haze, and things can uh, be made new. But, boy, is it is it tough to get there. So I could go on and on. Stephen, what, what do you got? How would you respond to that? Yeah, I think this, this is a really good question, and I would agree with everything you had just said. And um, I think we, our excuses and selective blindness um, that prevents us from receiving or being changed by Christmas are, um, I mean, we have the excuses of busyness and, and uh, work and family. We have the excuses of holiday expectations, as I think he talked about, and I think he talked about that in chapter one. 
Um, there's expectations that we feel we need to meet and um, keep up with, and there's traditions that we do every year as a family, and that can prevent us from really um, being changed or um, prevent us from receiving Christmas. I think also sometimes um, our selective blindness or excuses can um, we're blind or, or excuse our own feelings that we may have. Um, so like because of Christmas, we should be happy. We should be excited. Um, but we don't allow the Christmas message, which really is a message of um, you know, salvation and, and Christ coming to save us from our sins. But in during Christmas time, we don't want to think of our sins. We don't want to think of anything bad. It's all about being good. It's all about um, um, being the best that we can be and getting ready for the new year, as Paul talked about. So like, the message of Christmas is about salvation and a savior that's saving sinners like us, us like all of us are Grinches in a way. So we, we all need um, this salvation. We all need our hearts to be changed, but we can be blinded to that um, change that we need and that we should be receiving through Christmas because uh, we're too caught up with trying to, um, you know, be the, live out that Christmas spirit of joy and happiness and, and prevent the self-reflection, um, which we talk about a little bit later, prevent the self-reflection that is needed um, during this time of Christmas. It's I think Christmas is an exciting, certainly exciting and gift-giving time and, and joy, but it also should be a probably a little more humbled and <laughs> self-reflective time, a time of more um, um, deep thought and e- examination. So, um, because. The reason Christ came is because there's sin in the world. You know, he, he didn't come just so that we can have presents. <laughs> he didn't come to say, hey, I'm going to create a holiday that's great for marketing. And, you know, he came because he's like, wow, this world is in desperate need of help. So the only way it's going to help, the only way this world is going to be saved is if I come, you know, to die on a cross. Like he knew from the beginning that this was the beginning of the end, that he was working towards his own death. So. Um, there is a sense uh, during Christmas where we need to be, um, you know, aware of ourselves and what we're doing and and not allowing um, the holiday, the blindness to the message of Christmas. So, yeah, I think that's what I'll say. Good stuff. Yeah. So uh, we will continue with a question that really picks up where that one left off. Right. And uh, this is still from Chapter 3 of the text, um, if you happen to have it nearby this is uh from the the area of of, uh, page 93 and surrounding the last question was a little earlier in the chapter page 74 so but uh this one is um the the grinch pauses so if you've uh read the text um matt roll points this out but the grinch pauses in the midst of uh, trying to complete his his awful plan to listen, if you can picture the scene from the uh, movie or even from the book, he's got his uh, sled full of all of the uh, material things and the Christmas uh, paraphernalia <laughs> um, uh, teetering on the tip of this mountain, ready to, to go over the edge and, and all be destroyed and lost forever. And uh, he I, th- I think something catches his attention. He recognizes that the Who's are awakening in Whoville, and uh, I think his moment of uh, victory that he's been kind of uh, salivating over has is, is been that first moment when the Who's all awaken. If you get in his head for a second and imagine 
uh, how satisfying it would be to uh, hear the Who's all upset, wailing and crying over the loss of their Christmas stuff. And, and, uh, and the Grinch is excited for this experience. He wants to hear this. So he goes over to where he can look down on Whoville and, and listen for this horrible sound. Uh, actually, sadly, maybe reminds me of the, the morning of, uh, of the mothers and fathers in Bethlehem when Herod, you know, ordered the, the murder of, of all of the children when he was trying to get rid of uh, the Christ child. And, and maybe the Grinch is expecting the same response from the Who's when their Christmas is, is ruined. And he leans in, and of course, we all know the story, he hears them singing uh, and uh, still celebrating even without all their stuff. But he has this, this moment where he pauses, and of course he intends in this moment to, to uh, just reaffirm his evilness and, uh, and hear this, this awful sound. But the pause, this simple pause from what he's uh, in the midst of doing, allows this opportunity for the spirit, and, and I use the word spirit even though the text does not, the Grinch story obviously doesn't uh, portray that, but... Uh, the Holy Spirit to speak into his heart and uh, speak like this new message and, and break through in a powerful way. So using this as an example, you know, the question is, how can we in our lives have moments, create moments like that where, you know, maybe we're not in the midst of an evil scheme, but maybe we are kind of blinded to uh, reality. Maybe we're stuck in a rut of uh, worldliness. Maybe we lost sight of God. How can we pause in the midst of our routine and allow uh, the Spirit to speak to us in our hearts and, and have those similar breakthroughs that the Grinch experienced? And uh, Steve, I think you get to go first on this one since <laughs> yeah. I took the last one. Right. So this is, this is going to sound similar to my answer. It's going to sound similar to the last question, but um, I think when we pause from our normal routines and we allow the Spirit to break through our through our lives, I think it gives us the opportunity, um, you know, to uh, have new perspectives on Christmas. I think Christmas is one of those holidays that I know as <laughs> since I've been in a church, every church I've been in, every time Christmas season comes up, we have to think of some creative way to preach the message of Christmas because we all seem to know it. Um, well, I guess we do all know it, but um, we always have heard sermons from the shepherd's perspective and sermons from Mary's perspective or Joseph's perspective and I don't know if I've heard a sermon from the animal's perspective maybe that's what the next year we'll Ooh. do a sermon series based off what the horses thought when they Is came that a challenge <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That <could> be interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah I mean you can see that within churches that we're there's many different ways that we try to come up with um, new perspectives and, and I think it takes a pausing from the routines and a pausing from how it's always taught to see um, these new perspectives I think the Holy Spirit is, is trying to reach us with um, I think when we pause our normal routines we can um, it causes us to be as I said before um, self-reflective to examine ourselves examine our motives examine um, <laughs> during Christmas is our motivation truly giving or is our motivation to really to give in order to receive something back that's of equal value um, we can ask the why questions why why are we doing these traditions or I'm asking the questions of uh, why do I feel this way about Christmas or why why just you know um, 
again, like why why is this tradition something that our family does every Christmas? Um, and ask, we could also ask the question, who am I helping um, this Christmas? You know, when we, when we take the opportunity to pause, like am I really helping those around me when um, you're just searching for that perfect gift? Like, um, and you also ask the question, who am I hurting? Is there someone who's being hurt because um, because of me rushing around trying to comp- complete everyone's dreams, you know, like with the gifts I'm giving them? Is there someone who I am ignoring or my kids trying to get my attention, but I'm just too busy because I'm trying to complete the holiday season and, and meet everyone's expectation? Or am I hurting hurting myself? You know, we can um, be blind. The like we talked before, the blindness that we have, we could be hurting ourselves by stretching ourselves too far or too much. Um, and if we don't pause from our those normal routines, we'll not even know that we're hurting ourselves. And then you come to January <laughs> exhausted and depressed, and you're like, what happened? You know, and when everything eventually slows down. Um, but I think we can take these opportunities before it gets to January to actually do self-reflection and and, and just to really to take in the holiday season, you know, it's every year is different. And I, I realized for myself, like every Christmas as my girls get older, every Christmas is slightly different, you know, and I need to pause and just, you know, take it in and, and not race through it because there'd be there's going to be Christmases that <laughs> one day there's going to be a Christmas when they're going to be with their own families. So I need to enjoy um, the time that we have together. Um, but yeah, I think all all those things can um can happen when we when we pause from our normal routines how, how would you answer that yeah i think uh i'm gonna say much the same thing maybe with different words but when you talk about reflection it's you know and maybe i'm overly cynical here but i i have this sense that people just in general don't reflect uh nearly as much as they used to and um, this is a much larger conversation and relates to way more than just Christmas, but uh, the, the Rivermen group in, in the church, our, our last meeting of this calendar year, we sat down and talked about uh, spiritual disciplines, and we talked about how the world as it's laid out now is so focused on the external and, and each individual is, is uh, their purpose in life it seems to be about you know how, can, how much can I produce how can I be you know as efficient with my time as possible uh, balance as many things as possible have as many experiences go as many places as possible um, how can I you know, have, make sure that my, my appearance and how I carry myself uh, is, is, looks good to the people around me. You know, it's, it's all focused on the external. And, uh, you know, that...
ex- exactly the, the opposite of what God would have us focus on and, and what God tells us life is all about. For God, it's it's all about the internal. It's it's who we are on the inside. Our identity, our value is, is founded on what's going on in our hearts and what uh, how much our our hearts and our character represent uh, Christ and, and resemble Christ and I think we just we just don't get this like we get it <laughs> in our minds but we it doesn't translate uh, to our, our lifestyle and I think the world is um, just is almost feels like this huge conspiracy and and I suppose there is if you factor in the fact that uh, the Satan is out there, you know, stirring all this up. But the world, it just feels like it's designed specifically to destroy any effort that we might muster up to be uh, people who care about the internal. And uh, so we have to we have to be ready to combat that. And at Christmas, uh, more than ever, if we're really going to allow the experience of Christmas to sink in, we have to create space for it. So for me, it's just it's it's a constant battle, but I have to challenge myself to take time uh, away from the busyness. Solitude is such a powerful thing and and nobody seeks it out. Um, When we, you know, when we have things that we're trying to process, like internally, the only processing we do is uh, we hop on social media and we go through this shallow process of uh, going through our feelings on social media, or we or we run from them. We, we don't want to engage them, uh, what really is going on on the inside. So everything remains so surface level. And um, I think at you know, Christmas we have this beautiful opportunity with everything going on around us. There's, there's uh, chances everywhere to stop and, and take it in and to allow it to sink in uh, deep within us and to transform us and to spark this, this change that that can carry into the following year and, and really begin some new habits and opportunities to, to do things differently and be a, a totally different person. But at Christmas time, we have to not buy into the, you know, the rat race and the, the, the to-do lists and the shopping frenzies. And we have to pause and, and allow God to speak to us, whether it be through the lights on your Christmas tree or, uh, you know, the, the stillness outside at night looking up at the stars or um, whether it be listening to Christmas music on the radio or maybe in, in church uh, singing the, the hymns or the songs. <clears throat> you know, we have to allow these moments to take place where we can reflect, where we can look inside and just allow the voice of God to become familiar to us and to speak into our lives. And it, there's an a, a amazing opportunity at Christmas for that to happen, but it has to become, you know, all the year through, has to be a, a lifestyle choice for us. Uh, so I think it's just doing things differently. It's it's setting down the, you know, the the things that we get drawn into and creating space for silence and solitude and, uh, stillness and and just for God to speak uh, just like the Grinch did without even meaning to into our lives and to uh, challenge us to to new ways new paths so <clears throat> that uh, I think that's the the rep for chapter three feel good about that Stephen mm-hmm. all right so on into uh, chapter four we got two questions from chapter four uh, you want to toss out the first one 
sure. Um, first one is kind of, well, it's going to be um, in context of the story. Um, this question is similar to when the Grinch was pausing after he had taken all of the whose belongings or stolen them. So um, the question is, is the Grinch's decision to return the whose possessions a cause or an effect of his transformation? Consider how his opportunity and decision to act so quickly on his change helps cement that change. Um, what does this teach us about true repentance? Hmm. Uh, is, is it my turn? Uh, yeah, I can answer it. Oh, um, okay, yeah, fire us up. But yeah, I think, um, uh, and two, the question has like give biblical examples. Um, and I think w one of the clearest examples, and I think we just came off the series from the church about Zacchaeus. I think he's one of a very, very clear example of, I mean, he probably <laughs> is like the Grinch of the Bible in a sense, because he was a tax collector. He was taking money from people, um, and they weren't just singing about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, he uh, was stealing from just like as the Grinch stole, as the Grinch stole from them. Um, but he encountered Christ, and um, Christ, he had to climb a tree because he was so short. I wonder how short he really was. Probably like right. a foot. You think maybe a foot <laughs> tall? <laughs> everybody was shorter in Bible times. So <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, were really true. short in a time when everybody was short, yeah, that's I'd true, say yeah. maybe 18 um, inches. Like yeah, that. 18 inches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, yeah. Anyways, he was short. Um, I don't think he was 18 inches. He probably couldn't climb a tree because he was just too small. <laughs> but he was tall enough to climb a tree, but too short to see over the people. So we leave it at that. And uh, anyways, Christ saw him. He said, I'm going to eat at your house today. And then he eats there. And then after the meal and the time spent with Jesus, he says, I'm going to return back all that I have stolen. And, um, and then Christ has said, like, truly, this he's a child of Abraham. And so it was a, it was a huge event. And the people are just shocked. They were shocked that Jesus would even go to Zacchaeus' house. And I'm sure they're shocked, too, that Zacchaeus, after his encounter with Christ, was, became a completely a new man. Um, but this is similar to the Grinch when he heard the who singing. Um, as Paul said, the spirit isn't mentioned, but, you know, he had like a spirit-like moment of transformation. And because of that, um, that could say repentance i would i think repentance is a great way to put it mm. um because of that he um the effect of that he gave the gifts back you know he rode back triumphantly with blowing the horn and all excited which is kind of ironic you know <laughs> it's like you stole them but then you bring them back like you're the real santa like truly giving the gifts um but it's, it's just, it's just, uh, it's a great story, a great feel-good story. Even if you weren't a Christian, you don't need to be a Christian to receive, to see this message and see the transformation um, that is happening. But I think it's a very Christian story. I, I can't think of a better understanding of the Grinch other than, you know, understanding it through the lens of Christianity, through the lens of 
repentance and transformation. As I said, through the story of Zacchaeus, it's almost a one-to-one example of what happened to the Grinch. Um, so I, I think it uh, definitely uh, teaches us a lot about true repentance. Yeah, I, I love that you bring up repentance uh, there. <clears throat> but, you know, first, I, how cool. I, I never recognized the similarities between the Grinch, uh, Zacchaeus, Ebenezer Scrooge. Ever think about that? Right. They're yeah. all kind of the same right. character in a lot of ways, yeah. aren't they? Right. Yeah, and I think that's uh, it's really they. <laughs> they maybe we don't want to hear this, but they represent us in a lot of ways. They just have taken our uh, human foibles to the extreme, or not human, I guess, if you're a Grinch or whatever. <laughs> Grinch is a, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, those those characters are very similar. And they have their moment of transformation, which uh, promises us that the same is, is possible for us. But one of the keys to their transformation is this notion of repentance. And I love that you b- brought that up because uh, what we see in all three stories, uh, I'll go with all three now, Zacchaeus and Scrooge and, um, and uh, the Grinch is... As soon as they have this moment of revelation in which somehow, some way, space is either created for them or they create space for the Spirit to speak into their story and, and turn on some lights that were not on before, help them see things anew, they don't just sit on that. They, they immediately act. Each of them immediately act on it. And I think that's a key factor that when God speaks a, a truth into our lives and challenges us and convicts us in, in a new way that we uh, need to churn and go a different direction with our lives, uh, we need to act immediately while the Spirit is, is uh, heightened within us so that the moment doesn't pass uh, without us taking advantage of it. And I think the, the fact that the Grinch immediately... <laughs> you know, turns uh, poor Max around and, and sends him back on down the hill with the sleigh following and, and he returns all the gifts and uh, that ensures that, because, you know, in in character, what we know about the Grinch, what if he would have uh, paused an extra 10 seconds, 20 seconds, all of a sudden, it would have taken nothing for another mean and nasty thought to pop into his head, just like it did so many other times throughout the story and turn him back in the opposite direction and, and come up with another reason to, to think that the Who's were awful and their Christmas celebrations were shallow and meaningless and, and selfish, and you know. But he didn't. He, he didn't allow that to happen because in that moment when the Spirit compelled him, he immediately acted, and uh, down the hill he went. And so I think the same must be true for us. I, I, I know that this whole thing is not formulaic you know it's not the same for everybody but i do think step one has to be creating space in your life for god to speak and step two has to be when god speaks uh you respond immediately you don't just dilly dally and allow the moment to pass and for your old uh thought patterns and old habits to creep back in and disrupt what god is trying to do no you act immediately and so I think um, the I guess the initial question is the Grinch's decision to return the Who's possessions a cause 
or an effect of his transformation? I think the answer is yes. <laughs> it's a cause and an effect, and I think it's a, a, a circular thing. It's an ongoing thing. It's our our uh, God speaking into our lives and us creating space to hear that message does cause us to act, but then as soon as we act, it cements that, that change, and it begins the process for the next thought and the next action to, uh, to spur off of that one and take us the next step even further into uh, the person that God calls us to be. So it's it's very biblical. Uh, what's going on here with the Grinch is very biblical, and I don't even know if Dr. Seuss knew that, but um, thank you nonetheless for <laughs> for setting us up for this. So our last question, also from Chapter 4, a few pages down uh, to page 118 or so, is why did Dr. Seuss end the story? If you can picture the uh, closing scene of the Grinch stole Christmas, the Grinch who stole Christmas, the story ends with a shared meal. If you can picture, the Grinch is sitting down at the table with all of the Who's of Whoville, um, and the Grinch is at the head of the table, <clears throat> and he's carving the roast beast. So, why did Dr. Seuss choose to end the story this way? And how does the, the promise of Christmas, Christ being with us, the, the incarnation of Christ, expand our own capacity to extend such love and forgiveness as the Who's did in this moment when they pulled uh, the Grinch into their uh, Christmas celebration even after everything he had done? So why did the story end like this, and how does this uh, speak to us about uh, the pattern of our Christian journey <clears throat> and how we can show love to others. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, as within the question, the promise of Christmas, Christ with us, um, definitely gives us the capacity, expands our capacity to show the love as the Who's did. And, and I think it takes the power of Jesus Christ, uh, really the power of the Holy Spirit, in order to do what the Who's did. Um, because I think in our natural... Our natural human inclination is to not accept back the Grinch. Um, <laughs> you could think like a natural human reaction would be like you would imprison the Grinch, you know, and we're like, well, we're so glad that you had a transformation and repentance and change, but you're going to have to uh, answer to your consequences and we're going to put you on trial and you're going to be found guilty. And, and then maybe after you're released from prison, um, for good behavior, we might celebrate. You might cut the roast beef um, a couple years later. So I, I just think it's it's an incredible story about, um, really about the Who's as well. You know, it's an incredible story of how the Grinch was changed and transformed, but it's also as equally an incredible story of the Who's, who you know, sharing a meal, just like in the in the Gospels, sharing a meal was was a moment of. Um, you know, when, when the Christ shared a meal with Zacchaeus, everyone was offended because to share a meal was, it was, was friendship. It was like, um, equated with like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to, uh, associate myself with you on a very deep level. And, and, um, the same way how we see meals today. I know when we invite friends over and you share a meal, that's a time of fellowship and, and, um, discussing with each other and sharing life together, um, so for the Who's to do that to the Grinch, who had just stolen everything, <laughs> and, 
And then uh, for them to just like, hey, you can do one of the most important parts of the meal, you know, and cutting cutting the meat and and serving it, you know. And um, I think it it, it really shows um, the who's love, their forgiveness, their acceptance, but also them singing after the gifts are stolen. It shows how they have a true understanding of what Christmas is about and what Christmas is, and, and it's more than the gifts and the trappings. Um, and I think in order to expand, to extend that to us, how we can show that love um, is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if anyone, we never, Christmas is never perfect, right? And, and sometimes on Christmas Day, <laughs> you need the power of the Holy Spirit because you might have family over and that one uncle or the one cousin comes over who you might have difficulty relating with and it's going to take you know the power of the holy spirit to talk kind and loving and 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 then bringing them in within within the fold or or even within your own family like your kids chris again christmas is all go perfect you might have two kids fighting over the cardboard box or something totally forgetting their toys you know and and takes the power of the holy spirit and the work of of christ um and, and and what christmas is all about you know, Christmas is Christmas isn't a celebration of how good we are. Christmas really came as a celebration because we're sinners and we need a savior. It's actually a story that talks about wow, the world is so bad and so messed up, God had to come and die for us, basically. I mean, um Christmas isn't saying, Well, you were such great people and God came to earth just to celebrate with us. He came to earth to die for us and to save us. So um and to ex- we should be also extending that um, salvation type experience to others. You know, Christ died for us and saved us because we were Grinches. We should also be um, kind and loving to those who are who are Grinches like we were before Christ changed us. So, um, yeah, that's how I would answer that. <laughs> that's no, that's great. I think uh, everything about Christmas, the whole. Um, the whole story, the the whole message of Christmas is everything that's that's uh, goes against the patterns of this world, and and that's what makes the whole story stand out so much. From the the idea that Jesus was born into a peasant family in some no name village, you know, this uh, disrupts this this family's life and their expectations for their marriage, and. Uh, you know, ends up raised in this town and everybody says, well, you know, how can anything good come from there? And uh, he's, you know, born in this, this stable, um, this basically this animal pen in an animal feeding trough, right? And uh, and the per- first people sent to celebrate um, are shepherds, um, you know, the, low, the lowest of the low in the middle of the night wander in and then you contrast that with these these wise and uh, uh, some level of royalty or, or uh, very honored um, visitors from a faraway nation. You know, so we got the whole spectrum of, of visitors coming in, and Jesus and his family soon find themselves in exile. You know, run into Egypt and uh, just everything that you would expect to see uh, in the story of the creator of the universe, um, the king of the world coming into the world and playing the role of, of a human being alongside 
his created beings. Everything you would expect is not there, and everything you would not expect is is front and center. So the whole Christmas story is about doing things contrary to what our worldly experience and, and knowledge tells us to do. And so the fact that the Who's demonstrate at the very end of the story that they can continue that theme uh, and, and Steve uh, explained it beautifully. Like in, in, in our world, if the Grinch was a, a person and he committed the crimes that uh, he did in this story, there would be no sitting down, hanging out, you know, enjoying a Christmas dinner with the Who's and carving a roast beast. He would be uh, in, you know, he would be in county lockup at least, you know, <laughs> for for a couple of weeks at least and probably um, much longer probably end up you know this is a felony he'd have this this trial he'd end up locked away for um, at least a couple of years and uh, probably all the people who were his victims um, would show up at his trial so they could watch him you know squirm and watch him have to plead guilty and and you know see him embarrassed and um, so <laughs> what happens instead when the Who's said all of their their um, anger that we assume they must feel and must be wrestling with, they set it all aside and they extend to him, you know, acting as if nothing ever happened. They had already forgotten his, his sins, his quote-unquote sins, you know, extend him this uh, unconditional grace and forgiveness, not just to say, it's okay, Mr. Grinch, uh, we forgive you, but then to embrace him as a member of their community, an honored member of the community, is is so uh, Jesus is so is so um, in line with with our faith and what we're called to do, and it's just a beautiful way to end it. And so, um, I I think it's I think it's a brilliant ending, and I think it's a powerful uh, lesson for all of us and a challenge for all of us too. And there's so many scriptures you could point to where God talks about forgiveness and how, you know, if, if he's willing to forgive us all of our sins and all the heinous things that we've done, how can we withhold that same forgiveness to somebody else? Um, you know, and, and the whole uh, why do you judge your neighbor for having a speck in his eye when you got a plank in your own? And, and uh, the Who's took all of this knowledge, all this wisdom, and, and they applied it to their treatment of the Grinch. And um, the most important thing at the end of the day to us as Christians and, and what we see lived out through the Who's isn't, you know, whether the Grinch paid for his sins or whether uh, the Who's got their vengeance or they, they were redeemed or they feel good about how things ended up. The most important thing is, is people and their hearts. And so what matters most at the end of the story is that the Grinch's heart uh, grew and he found himself uh, loved and embraced by other people and in order for that to happen uh, forgiveness had to be extended and it was and and so the formula for the Grinch's complete transformation is is uh, followed and uh, we we get this beautiful ending so the question is in our lives uh, will we live uh, and uh, conduct our, ourselves in the same manner so that we can see beautiful things such as this play out in our own lives um, and that's the challenge for each of us and I think in the Christmas season uh, maybe we're up to the challenge to some extent and uh, then we fall back into old ways but 
Um, I hope that uh, it's been a, an, an inspirational story for you. I hope that Matt Roll's uh, uh, insights have been useful and, and Stephen and I chiming in. And uh, It's been a, a wonderful Christmas season. I think the book, the book has taken us in some fun places. And uh, maybe you've uh, gone out and watched The Grinch one more time this year to bring it fresh and new and uh, to see it through these, these uh, new eyes, this new lens. But uh, whatever the case, thank you for joining us on, on the journey. And um, we hope that whatever your Christmas festivities have in store for you, we get to maybe see you at some point, whether it's on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Sunday before, Sunday after. Uh, we just hope that we can be part of your uh, Christmas experience and community. And uh, whatever the case, we wish you a very, very merry, merry, merry Christmas. And anything, uh, Stephen, we're about to sign off for the rest of the year so any wise words for our audience uh merry christmas and don't be a great i mean just merry christmas to everyone <laughs> and happy new year happy new year <laughs> yes all right friends uh, take care we'll catch you in 23